You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We're the answers. And welcome to the Elsners, a production of Galactic Networks. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. You can find all of the stuff about us on Elsners.com or our network over at GNCast.com. And a warning, we will shoot our mouth off. We will talk about, we will spoil things, and we will swear. And I just realized I did not have the right background on behind me. I am ashamed. I am deeply, deeply ashamed. I just gave the video people a little taste as to what we'll be talking about later. That's your first spoiler. Yeah, there's your first spoiler, folks. Um, but yeah, so, Corey, how you doing, sir? I am still in uh, cold recovery, so uh, expect me to mute myself a lot as, as much as possible when I try not to inadvertently cough into people's ears on the show. But otherwise, I'm glad to be back. No, that's really that's good. It's good. Good to hear that you are at least, you know, having the decency to cover your mouth um oh, you know i figure i make up for it with the public nudity <laughs> now that's sure to get us kicked off the network but yeah so um we're gonna hop here into the news and i didn't realize because i forgot to look at the lineup but the first bit of news is the image that i actually had just had up there and that is green lantern core um, the rumor of the day, fucking hell, this thing isn't working. Um, the rumor of the day is that, um, it beat, please edit these first little bits out of the swears, but that David Goyer is going to be, or maybe directing, uh, the Green Lantern Corps movie. Um, he is currently co-writing with Justin Rhodes. Um, the movie, but it could be like he's could be doing more. And it's no surprise that we are not the biggest Goyer fans. Well, so, I mean, Goyer is not a fan of comic fans in general from some of the statements that he's made. Uh, and that's part of the problem is that Goyer has had a lot of success. A lot of his successes have come from working in comics or comic properties. Uh, he worked as a writer on the Constantine series. He worked on uh, Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, the Blade films, the Dark Knight films uh, from Batman Begins on up. Uh, even Jumper, which is not necessarily comic book related, has a comic book movie feel. But he kind of says some unpalatable things as far as comic fans and comic properties go. He's been on the record uh, pointing out that he believes that She-Hulk uh, is a basically a sexual version of, of a woman for the Hulk to have sex with, even though they're cousins. Um, but basically it's just like, yeah, it's, it's the Hulk that as a teenage boy, you, you want to see get banged. Um, on top of that, he said things like, uh, who in the room at a comic convention has heard of Martian Manhunter. Uh, and then when people have their hands raised now, how many of you have actually had sex? Uh, and, and basically implies that of course, if you've heard of this comic book character, 
uh, you must be a virgin. Uh, you must fit a stereotypical ideal of of what people have been placed into for decades when it comes to being comic book fans. So it's always nice to have one of the the heroes of the industry come in there and just reconfirm that to you. Um, and then he says things like Martian Manhunter is is stupid. You can't call him Martian Manhunter because that's dumb. So he should just be called Manhunter. It, it's just it's a it's a lack of appreciation for the genre, which is strange considering how deeply indebted he is to it. Um, and every time he works on stuff, it's like there, it, it's hit or miss. Some of it is is taken well. The first two Blade movies were certainly taken well. Uh, first two Batman movies, I certainly liked a lot. But he's he's had his his rough spots too, and certainly when it comes to uh, directing, he hasn't had any real success. Uh, Blade Trinity, which obviously a lot of the the problems with that came from the the lead star. But Threshold, The Invisible, The Unborn, the flash forward couple episodes of his Da Vinci's Demon series. It's not like he's been a big name director in any regards, so it would be kind of strange to put him in charge of one of these flagship movies that Warner Brothers is still trying to get out when they're struggling so hard to get these films made. It seems like I don't know why they would chance it on this guy, but again, he keeps winding up getting getting billed for stuff like this, so. Yep. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, it is definitely a weird thing to have happen. I mean, it's, especially because I don't want to see this. To me, screams that he's just doing this for a paycheck. Like, well, it like I said, he's 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 part of the system. He's part of the DC films, anyways. He's he's been writing. Uh, these screenplays with um, <clears throat> the jeez, oh, I can't even think of his name. The guy that I bitch about every fucking week. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Zach Snyder. Superman. Yeah, Zack Snyder. He's he's already well, been working with him on these things, and and so it is kind of a maybe it's a reward system of oh well you're you're such an integral part of this. Why wouldn't we let you take the reins of this? But but that's the problem. That's that's why that's honestly you? that's honestly the problem though because. Look over at the Marvel side. John Favreau loved Iron Man, loved com- loves comic books, and all this has a respect for the fans. <clears throat> made Iron Man, Iron Man Two, you know has you know made has made or been involved in, in a lot of the stuff. Um, you go on down the road, you get the Russos, you get Joss Whedon, you know with the Avengers movies, and it's one of these things that it's like you see respect for the fans respect for the source material not saying things like oh well you know even though i'm from detroit i'm I'm gonna make a kentucky statement and say that you know i think uh, jennifer walters would fuck her cousin and and, and stuff like that by the way he is from ann arbor uh just so you know um oh Let's let's be realistic though. There have been Sorry, plenty of me. comic artists, comic writers throughout history who have not necessarily respected the fans, uh, but still had very prolific careers in the industry. I, I I think it's more of John Favreau 
had a had a good degree of success before going and doing Iron Man. Didn't do anything like Iron Man, though, at that point in time. The expectations were incredibly low. They didn't know that Iron Man was going to blow up the way that it did. The Russo brothers, you know, again, we we knew them. We knew that they could direct, but we hadn't seen them do something like they did until they did the Winter Soldier. So that changes things. So, yeah, you can grab somebody who, and, and like raise their expectations by putting them in charge of these films. I don't know what the hiring process is, something like that. It, it feels more like, oh, wait, uh, who we got in the room right now who maybe wants to direct Green Lantern? Because, fuck, we just keep blowing through directors uh, once a week, it seems like. Like, here's our, here's our runner for this movie, uh, Flash. How many directors has Flash gone through so far? Uh, how many directors? Obviously, at least two now uh, for Batman. With now the star, uh, the the guy who's supposed to be playing uh, Deathstroke in that doesn't even know if he's playing the character anymore because the entire thing's been scrapped and rebooted. Um, Aquaman's going to push back a couple months now. They're trying to put a third film on the docket just to fill the gap that they've created by everything running late, and that's that's kind of the scary thing too, is that they don't have a handle on the films that they're already doing. Um, unless they're planning on moving Green Lantern up though, at least it was something that was not planned for a few years, but it's still just very strange that there's so much that they should be like a hundred percent dialed in on at this point, And they just keep having to swat bugs away. I, I don't know what is going on in this, in this studio right now. It's just, it's not encouraging. Yeah, and <clears throat> Beatmaster's putting out a quote from the article that was taken by um, the tracking board reporter Jeff Snyder that he mentioned on his um, on a recent episode of Meet the Movie Press, a podcast that he co-hosts each week. Um, he's saying that he's, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase all of this, he's hearing that David Goyer uh, could very well wind up directing the Green Lantern Corps himself, um, and that he's he's essentially been like you said been the architect you know he's he wrote batman begins in the dark knight and he wrote man of steel um and he's the last little bit is um what he has heard one of these situations where goyer could be like listen i may i may be the best guy for the job no one knows this like i do that worries me that honestly worries me because I think we're, we we might end up with another. I I'm I want to be optimistic. I try to live my life optimistically. Um you know, hope for the best and then get the worst has always been how I how I want to do things. And I have a feeling we might get another um Green Lantern movie that we will we will force out of our minds. Like that one that started dude who later became Deadpool. But that movie, you got to keep in mind, Martin Campbell directed and Martin Campbell before that had done Casino Royale. You know, he had done movies where he was a, a successful director. He'd done the the Zorro movies with uh, Banderas. He had done Goldeneye. He, he had a pedigree and he made a terrible Green Ladder movie, a Green Ladder movie that had writers that write the DC shows now that are very widely considered a huge success. So you can fail with the right people 
which means you can also succeed with the people that are perceived as not necessarily the best choices. Not I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna count the guy out. It's just I kind of wonder who wants to direct these DC films at this point. I, I have to question who is sitting there and saying to themselves, I am champing at the bit to get to do the next Superman movie or the next Aquaman movie or Flash movie or whatever, because so many people come and go through this. I mean, we we've seen people leave in the midst of working on Marvel films. Obviously, Ant-Man is a big one because that was in development for so long and it was associated with one guy that everybody was looking forward to this happening. And then for him to leave felt like a pretty big setback. But yeah. for the most part, a lot of the stuff that happens on the Marvel films in that regard, it, it just sort of happens and and it gets swept under the rug because it's it's not a big deal. It's not like we've seen it affect the films. The DC films have a problem currently with, with their success rate um, that they should be landing bigger and they're, they're just not. And so I wonder who's looking at this and saying, oh, I want to go into that room and, and be the person who, who makes something great out of this because maybe people right now are too afraid to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but again, time time will tell, and I hope, I honestly hope I'm wrong. You know, I would rather eat crow and say, okay, yes, David Goyer did a great Justice League movie, than go, I was right, he fucking sucked, and all that. Yeah, at the end of at the end of the day, for me, I don't give a shit about the person who made the movie. Uh, if I enjoyed the movie, it, there yeah. there are certainly times I I don't watch what do you. Allen movies because I think Woody Allen is a fuck all. Um, I, I, but I do know that I've watched films by people who are not necessarily the best people and still managed to enjoy the movies. Uh, yeah. it, it's tough to moralistically judge art based off the, the artist more than what's presented in front of you. So if Goyer is an asshole, but he makes a good film, then I'm not going to begrudge him for it. I, I really want the DC universe to succeed. I'm still a long ways away from thinking that it can, but I would love it if it, if it happened, I just, yeah. you know, I see decisions like this and it confuses me, but I'm not in that room and I'm not the one who has to make these decisions. Thank God. All right. So I got a question for you, Corey. Yes, sir. Can you tell me how to get to Sesame street? Uh, you practice. I no, practice. that's not it. <laughs> that's that's something else entirely. Um, no, I, I I think you you make uh right at the first star and straight on to no, that's something else. Um, if you believe really no, uh, you grab a snuffleupagus's taint, something. I I I. It's <laughs> been such a long time. Uh, but I I think I know where we're going. I think I know yes. where the story is headed. So, um. For those of you guys who do not know, Sesame Street, and how could you not know, is essentially an American institution. When you think American television, here at least here in America, you think of a few things. Um, you think the price is right when you're sick, and usually it's like you're sick and you're like, you know, cuddled call, up at your grandma's house eating chicken noodle soup, and then on comes this. But then there's the show that has been around for almost 50 years 
that started in 1969 and answered a simple question that changed the world when it came to television. Could television be used to educate young children? We obviously found out that this answer is yes, because they are in their 40, what, 48th season, something like that. Yeah. Um, and they're on HBO, you know, and they're still on PBS Kids, so don't freak out about that part. But they're actually going to do something special here. They're going to air an episode on both HBO and PBS Kids at the same time. Um, they're going to do, they're introducing a new Muppet um, called Julia. Now, now, why would we be talking about a, a Muppet? Well, I mean, I, mean you know, I talk about Muppets all the time because that's my jam. Well, yeah, but still. I mean, to talk about something on a show that teaches kids, you know, their ABCs, their one, two, threes, and stuff like that. Well, and near and far. Yeah, both near and far. Um, that's very simple. This Muppet has autism. Now, before you get, like, become a smartass and go, well, it's just a puppet. It doesn't can't have it. It's betraying a kid with autism. And actually, I believe is modeled after um, a kid, like an actual real life kid, um, which I find, you know, really interesting. It, it It's modeled after a lot of different aspects that they they weighed very heavily to figure out which ones to portray in this particular character. Now, it, it is part of the creation came from uh, a mother and her son and her son who has autism. Um, but what they're trying to specifically do is introduce it to kids so that they're not afraid of it when they when they meet somebody who has autism they're not confused uh or put off by them um and one of the things about autism is that the the way that it's displayed is almost always very different you know it's it's an individual thing it's not like anybody has the same sort of um characteristics that they display there might be some that are similar but realistically it's different for everybody who has it and and of course there's different levels of autism uh my brother has asperger's uh which i've have found <clears throat> and more members of my extended family going on um it, it's one of those things that the mystery of it is still kind of a a big thing is that people don't understand it and like you said, we grew up watching Sesame Street. I grew up watching Sesame Street. It's part of why I had a love of reading, a love of characters, yep. a lot of different things. Um, some of the my favorite books as a kid were like The Monster at the End of This Book uh, or Grover Plays Hide and Seek. Those things like I, I still have copies of those today because they're they're treasures to me. Um and if this had been something that I could have grown up with too, it, it, this type of character, then it would have made a lot of the things in finding out about my brother and and other people, it would have made it a lot easier for me. Yeah. Because I would have an understanding going in. <clears throat> and the question, I'm going to read this actually from the interview. This was originally from CBS from their 60 Minutes. And they asked the question about how do you portray but how, how to portray autism. And it's like you said, you know, uh, Christine Ferrero, the writer on Substance Street for 25 years, she says it's tricky because autism is not one thing because it's different for every single person who has autism. 
there is an expression an expression that goes if you meet if you've met one person with autism you've met one person with autism um and so i mean this is a really cool thing because sesame street for me has always in a, in a lot of ways it's how i look at the x-men because the x-men at the core or for me at the core of them it was always about equality you know we are people where we might be different you know i might be fat you might be skinny you might have glasses you might be you know blue and furry and love cookies you know we're all people we're all humans and everybody has something that kind of makes them special or individual yeah uh and and you're right that's another thing too is something that it it never even occurred to me that it was something to admire about Sesame Street, but it's it's always been there, is that it's always been multicultural. Uh, yeah. it, it was the first time I heard anybody speak Spanish was not in real life. It was on Sesame Street. Uh, with, with, with Rosita, I believe. <clears throat> oh, probably before Rosita. The, remember, 70s. Like, uh, yeah. Way different time. But just, just in general, there was always different people of different cultures, different uh, races. Uh, I I know that they've introduced a character that has AIDS on the show a few years ago. It They dealt with the death of Mr. Hooper on the show in a, in a children's program where that's something that very easily could have been just something that they glazed over and skipped. Uh, they dealt with it head on and they, they dealt with the, the pain of loss and how that affects the characters that are still there. And it, it still is is one of those things that is very real to me today, because even though I was old enough to understand that stuff at the time that it happened, it was such a big deal to see it experienced by such an innocent character as Big Bird. You know, yeah. and to understand yeah. that for kids, this is probably their first understanding of death. And, and it's something that parents don't know how to explain to children. Uh, and it's not something you can explain until you experience it. Yeah, that's... So, that's that's the one thing that I, I truly love about, or one of the things I truly love about Sesame Street and why I can't wait for my knees to get a little bit older so I can just be like, hey, Sesame Street, you know, and I could start watching it with her again and, you know, maybe they'll finally tell me how to get there. I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I, I'll still put on Sesame Street here and there and and watch that stuff. It, oh no, yeah. It, when it, I had when I had HBO last year, um, this was like right when uh, they had made the announce they had made the announcement that they were going to be on, and she's not even a year old, and I'm sitting there with her on my lap, going, "Can you say who is that? Can you say count and you know all that." She's not doing any of it because she's only like, you know, eight months old, seven months old and all that. And I'm still like, you know, don't care. Yeah. Because you know, she wasn't crying. She was watching the TV. Don't know if she could see, truly see what was going on or know what was going on. But still, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> I might get HBO just to watch it some more. <laughs> this is sort of for you, kid, but it's really for me. Yeah. Well, because I did. I honestly, I did that. Uh, the other last Friday when I had to, or we had lost, when we had lost power here from the windstorms, um, I had to go over to my grandma's house and watch her. And I put on an old, well, not me old. It was when I was a kid, 
a show called Zabumafu that was aired on PBS. And, you know, so I could sort of take a nap while she's in this playpen, you know, playing with her toys and watching the TV um, because of all the different animals and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's Sesame Street. And I really love that they're doing this. Yeah. And I'm glad that Sesame Street gets to continue to exist. I mean, a lot of people were upset when when it became Sesame Street was moving over to HBO. But HBO, what they were doing is they were paying essentially for Sesame Street to continue to be, um, especially right now when we're we're losing funding to PBS overall. It it's because of HBO that we're going to that that Sesame Street's not a part of that. Um, that yeah. Sesame Street is going to continue to be out there for for the kids of the next generation. Uh, and I think that that's incredibly important. I think PBS itself is incredibly important too, um, but certainly it, the closest to my heart is going to be Sesame Street. It's just so, it's been around forever, and I want to see, you know, my my nephew get to watch it. I want to see the kids of the next generations get to watch it and and be a part of it too. So what I'm hearing from you is, all of our listeners should s- send this part right here to donald trump saying and being this being the reason why not to cut public or the funding for the national broadcasting corporation or you know put your money towards pbs directly everybody needs a fucking tote bag once in a while hells yeah all right the next story um is one that i i it's top gear time okay folks um i know i talked about it before but I'm truly excited for this news because this is the news that BBC America is bringing top gear to the U S again. Now I know what you're saying. Dumbass. It already airs in, you know, it already airs with Matt LeBlanc, Rory Reed, Chris Harris on Sunday nights. I am not talking about that. No, no. I am talking about top gear America. Now forget, you know, that one that, that abomination of a show that air that starred uh tanner faust um i'm blanking on the other guys names um rutledge wood and adam ferrara forget that show this show is going to star william fitchner um who was in the dark knight contact armageddon excuse me professional drag racer antron brown not Alton Brown. I'm like, wait, what? And then B- and British automotive journalist Tom Ford. Um, the BBC, uh, BBC America has ordered eight one-hour episodes, and they will air later this year. And the only announcements that we really have is that it will be filmed in Las Vegas. It will seem, I'm not sure if they're going to go with this format or a format, like by this I mean like a format similar to the one that uses the set here from from series 24 or are they going to go um more the classic top gear with the former or the now grand tour hosts um but this will be at the, their track will be at speed vegas um and of course you know the stig the uh, top gears mysterious test driver will be uh leaving everyone in his petrol ha- hazed wake um, so I look forward to, I love this. I love hearing this and um, seeing that it's 
hopefully going to be top gear but with american people focusing more on american um co- like concepts when it comes to the to the cars you know not just oh well here we're going to test a hyper car which i love don't get me wrong i love seeing that stuff um but that's not really american that's the european model of things so you know like come over here and yeah we got the muscle cars and we got you know the modded cars and we got you know the old school the old school cool cars and stuff like that that's what i want to see that's what i'm hoping that we'll get here in this season um Corey, does this interest you at all or did, was that just me ranting i still haven't seen a goddamn thing of top gear i don't know what the <laughs> hell this show is so you, you know that thing that's in your driveway right you know it's got the four wheels and it, you turn you put the key in it and it goes and it takes you to work sort of not it's really a show about that but the thing it's called a car so i gotta watch people go to work every day the fuck you talking about <laughs> No, that's WWE's ride-along. But this they're, they're at work already. They're reviewing the I've cars. I've seen that show. It's called Carpoolers. It was shit then. It's shit now. <laughs> the Caveman <laughs> show was better. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that it, cars aren't really my my interest level. Like, I'll I'll watch things like... I, I watched Monster Garage for a while when it was on. Uh, I like the no, the building aspect of it, the the creating something new. That that's something else. But I don't know, man. It's it's just like I'm not into the the muscle cars, the the racing stuff. None of that stuff ever has, has ever been my bag. But I, I get why it's other people's. Yeah, and I I mean the big thing with it is honestly going to be the uh, the camaraderie. Because that's what was like. Like I said last week in my t- in my review of the new se- of the new series, that's what we got here with this with this uh, show with this series that we didn't with last week uh, last season with Chris Evans. No, we didn't get that camaraderie. It just seemed like we're here doing a job. You know, we're here driving this car while we're going to work. I mean, I don't understand that at all either, though, because I hate people. Oh yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> I mean, I mean, here the only reason we do this is because I just to me to you, I probably just I'm like, oh, he's a video person. I don't know who he. I've never met him in real life. I mean, so. I'm just David Goyer showing up for a paycheck. I'm still waiting, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, it's in the mail. Like it's Nigeria keeps taking it. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So that's honestly what I where I like. I'm excited for this. I know a lot of people are going to be excited too. I just hope it is good. I don't want to see because I quickly went away from the top the top gear that was on the history channel. Um, my mom's boyfriend, yeah. he really likes it. And every time I say top gear, he goes to that one. I'm like, no, no, the better one. The <laughs> British one. The one where they do car reviews, not just we're gonna drive this car or these old, you know, muscle or not muscle cars, these old like sixties you know, station wagons across the Sierra Nevada mountains and, you know, stupid shit like that. Well, I shouldn't say stupid, but I mean, sort of missing the point of what Top Gear is at its at its essence. Yeah, but we, we do know, of course, that you are slightly British biased. Um, 
Well, I mean, let's just see, put it to you this way. There is a British person in the Minecraft community that I am more British than he is. He says it himself. Like, he's more American than I am, and, he, and I am more British than he is. <laughs> I think it's his polite way of telling you to stick a toad in your hole. <laughs> well, I think that's going to do it for the Else News. We will be right back. Helping you up like the Thames. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. All right, and we are back, and it is time for the else views. And to continue with what I was what I was going to say before, um, that's like my middle name, Thomas. I didn't i I spelled it at first t or when I was younger t o m e s because I spelled it how it was sound how it sounded, and my mom's like, no, that's wrong, and she spelled it like, no, that's Thomas. My name is not Thomas, <laughs> but that's a different story. Um. But yeah, it is time for our else views. This is the section of the show where we talk about um, TV shows, TV shows, TV shows, and TV shows. Um, because we have four TV shows for you um, that we're going to talk about. I picked three because um, really they're just the pilots. I picked three Amazon pilots. Um, and I'm going to go through these first because I, have you seen any of the Amazon pilots? Uh, no, I, I'm still kind of abstaining from Amazon's content until I, I find the the crossover to finally invest in uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense to me to invest myself into the content that they're making because I'm not going to have the opportunity to see it otherwise. Yeah. Um. So a couple of, and I think we're getting close to that where it's like, just do it because there's enough original content out there. Um, but this is the new, there's only five shows, and I've watched three of them. Um, they're out there for the pilot season for this part. Um, all of which you can go to collider.com. They have, you know, the Amazon, excuse me, the Amazon pilot, uh, you know, guide, essentially. But the first one I'm going to talk about, I think, is probably going to be the one that you would be the most interested in. Because I believe I've heard you say you watch Gilmore Girls or you've watched Gilmore Girls. Never seen it once. Never seen it once. Why did I think that? I don't know. Because I seem like a well, guy this, who would watch Gilmore Girls. Well, but this is <clears throat> um <laughs> this is uh, written by the creator of Gilmore Girls, and she later created Bunheads um on ABC Family. Um, Amy Sherman Palladino, and this is called The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Um, and this show is a, a period piece, um, but that time period is 1958. Um, and we meet, um, oh God, I'm blanking on her first name. Uh, Midge is how, what, how everyone calls her um Maisel on her wedding you know day she's giving her own toast at her wedding and it's setting up the backstory of everything and then we fast forward four years she has two kids with her husband 
and he's you know working at this office and then at night they go out to a um a variety like a bar that has like an open stage um like an open mic night and he's doing um different stand-up uh, routine like he's, he's doing stand-up he wants to be a stand-up comedian and stuff like that um the cool part with this show i'm going to take a pause right there is they have actors playing other actors like lenny bruce is met is a um is a character in this show um he, he has a guest spot throughout the pilot and it's really cool to see because i'm like wait hey lenny bruce like it's not actually lenny bruce but I know that name inside of all these other fictitious, um, you know, names and, um, the cast is amazing. The lead actress, I do, I cannot think of her name, but she's Brosnan. Yes, she is great in here, but you also got Alex Borstein, um, Tony Shalhoub, Tony, yeah, Tony Shalhoub. I'm like, I can't think of who is Tony Shalhoub who I freaking hate in here he is such a dick but it works well um because he is playing a you know a grandfather you know a a newly found grandfather in the night in the late 50s so he's like he's playing up to that whole stay out of my stay out of this room it's my office you know you don't touch anything and we're good um sort of deal um but the rest of the pilot goes you know she's She's keeping track of how many times he gets a he gets a laugh and all this stuff. Um, her husband and um he decides to leave her uh for various reasons. So in a she gets completely drunk and in her nightgown and robe goes down to the club to the club and drunkenly does a killer comedy set and all that. And that's where it's gonna go from here. And it's really funny. I cannot recommend this enough. I do think, I think a lot of people will, will enjoy this show and I, I hope it gets picked up. I highly hope it gets picked up. Um, The next one I'm going to go real quickly and you're going to have to tell me on the, or actually the one after this one, you'll have to tell me on some of the people who are in there. But the next one is Budding Prospects. This is a um Will Sasso's on here. Uh Brett Gelman is in here. This one is set in the like mid to late 80s, I think. Um actually I think it's 83. And 1983. Yeah. The whole whole concept is the lead guy, he's offered, he works in this bar and it's just sort of like dead end. Um, work and all that stuff he wants to become a writer so brent gelman's character gives him this job where he will go up into these woods um where it's you know middle of bumfuck nowhere in northern california um i believe they later called it roner park no i'm joking um but no like way up in you know Accurate. almost or- <laughs> like almost oregon from what i'm how i'm picturing this um to grow pots and i think opium but like to grow drugs um and for nine months if they do this whole thing the three the three main characters uh, will sasso is one of them 
then they will become um, then they will make half a million dollars tax free. Um, and that is the base premise of this. Um, you also have oh god, I'm blanking on her name. Natalie um, Morales. That's it. Natalie Natalie Morales was in the was in the pilot. I hope she's a, a series regular because she was really good in here. Just adding that whole like this different dynamic, um, and and a love interest too for the, for our main character. But this is not on the top of my list, but it is not at the bottom. I'm, I still have to see the other two shows. Um, but yeah, that is budding prospects. And then the final one, and this is the one like if you're looking, I'm assuming you're looking at the Amazon for the uh, cast because you, you have to tell me who's in this because I th- thought I heard Jason Sudeikis. Uh, I don't see him listed in the credits. Uh, we've got Matt Browner, uh, Ben Schwartz, who we know from Parks and Rec, and um, uh, what was it, Lie to Me, or what was the show that's on Showtime oh, that he's uh, in? House of Lies. House of Lies. Uh, Missy Pyle, Carrie Kinney. Uh, good amount of people in this. Now, this is animated, it looks like. Yes, this is in the... Um, oh, and uh, Creed Bratton, who you'll know for, as Creed from The Office. He is a supporting character. Um, but he... Um, so this uh, this is animated. It's all... It's in that um, home movies style or Bob's Burgers art style where it's not, you know, like high production um stuff but it also could just be you know because this is a pilot like um, i remember one of the first pilots that amazon had they um they said you know some of the animation is you know not the best but that's also because this is a pilot if we get if we go to full series the production will look a lot better yeah and the director um, is mark brooks and mark's mark brooks worked uh as a writer on Metalopolis, metal, metal, metalocalypse. Yeah, I can never say that goddamn title. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the so the premise of this is, um, you got four. I'm just gonna read the description. Four low-level employees seize control of a major corporation after accidentally murdering the CEO. It's 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 hilarious in how everything is done here because it is so just way like you know accidents like weekend at bernie's but multiplied by five um just because of how you know these things are happening here and really highly really well done um carrie kenny um silver um is hilarious in here and she's she's I think gonna be the main antagonist. Um, like you know, like they're trying to stay one step ahead of her, and it. <laughs> I just remember the ending of the episode. It was so freaking hilarious because she, there, you, you all throughout. She's just trying to figure out who's writing uh, bad things about her. Uh, basically, like you know, like the for a good time call in the bathroom stalls, and so they they get, come in. And the one, this one guy who's, to use an office analogy, since we got Creed Branton on here, 
um, who is like the Dwight Schrute, but would even write on Dwight Schrute. Um, he's like this super, you know, stick to the rules type person. He 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 thinks he figured out who is doing these drawings and stuff of her, and he, he's showing all these. He's got like forty slides comparing all the different letters and all this stuff, like getting real CSI with the shit. And he and they cut to the end, and the 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 CEO. I'm using quotes here. Um, is like, man, don't you all know that the that the night security guard does all those? And and I'm just I I start laughing because I I find it really funny because I'm also leaving out key parts here. Um, but yeah, that's the new VIPs. I'm not sure if I like I would like to see this get picked up. Honestly, I'd like to see all three of them get picked up. Um, and I'm not sure about the other two only because I didn't watch them. And I will let you know for for fairness for the viewers, um, the other two that I um haven't watched are the legend of master legend um this is a dark comedy about the life of frank lafont aka uh, master legend a homemade superhero whose mission is to protect the people of las las vegas from evildoers and then the other one is at the bottom it's oasis it's oasis and it's based on the cult hit novel the book of strange new things from michael faber um oasis oasis follows the chaplain um richard madden from mad men or not from Mad Men, from Game of Thrones, um, who was sent into space to help establish a colony on a distant planet. And he ends up discovering um, not only, or but what he ends up discovering not only puts his faith to the test, but life as he, uh, as we know it. Um, yeah, so it's, like, there's some good stuff out there. It's just I didn't get time to do to watch all the pilots to where we could then do like next week or something do a full-on review because also i was watching what you want to talk about yeah um i'm not gonna like go crazy on this because i have not completed the series yet i I just know that people have been posting early reviews of the first six episodes that were shown to reviewers of uh the new marvel netflix series iron fist and they had access to the first six episodes. And this show seems to have gotten torn to bits in a lot of reviews, uh, saying yes. it's the, the first failure on Marvel's, Marvel's parts. It's certainly the the least embraced of the Netflix shows so far. Um, there is a lot of, for some reason, controversy over the fact that they cast a Caucasian in the role of a character who in the comics is Caucasian. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works. Um, they they wanted it to be an Asian actor to to increase Asian actors in, in, in Hollywood, which I completely agree with, um, but it would have then put an Asian actor into a very stereotypical Asian role, which part of the reason why this character was created in the way that it was is to put someone who's not of Asian descent into that role. Um, now here, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for yeah. a second, because I'm like, I mentioned this last week at work and one of my friends in a way I would, me and B and Evan would jokingly say with you, whenever we mentioned man of steel, don't, don't, don't. Um, you know, I do this whole, like, 
I, I did this whole thing of where I said the people who are complaining that Danny Rand is white in here when he's white in the comics are the same people who complained that Michael B. Jordan should not play Johnny Storm because he's black. I don't know if they're the same people, but it sounds it sounds equally ridiculous to me. Um, Now, obviously, I'm I'm a white guy, so my my problems are minor uh, and it's the only thing uh, minor about me. Uh, So (laughs) I, I get why it might have been. An interesting move to make the character of um, of Asian descent. I I just I don't know if that's what they wanted to do for this character or for this story. At the same time, the problems with the show realistically do exist. Uh, yeah. I'm about eight episodes in, and so- I have to say that it is only slightly holding my attention at this point it it is paced slowly and i've kind of gotten used to the fact that the marvel shows on netflix have a slow pacing they all seem a little long in their seasons uh they seem like they go 13 episodes when they should go eight yeah Uh, they they could be a lot tighter i ran into it with jessica jones i ran into it with the second season of daredevil but at least with the second season of daredevil what they did is they kind of split the season up into two different storylines almost um it's just that there's not a clear-cut point where it stops being one and starts being the other we just suddenly focus on electra as opposed to the punisher although the punisher still is involved in the end of the season um Luke Cage seemed to do it as well. And Luke Cage really bummed me out because I found the villain in the first part of the series far more interesting than the villain that they moved to later in the series. Uh, That whole thing just seemed to go off the rails for me. But in a lot of ways, though, the show was still entertaining. I I still found the the lead actor uh, intriguing. I found the, the, uh, the actresses that were alongside of him intriguing. I'm not feeling the same way with Danny Rand and with the actor who's playing him, which is Finn Jones. I don't know if the problem is Jones himself. I feel like it's more the writing and the direction of the show. There's nothing about it that really stands out. Uh, The Iron Fist power set doesn't come into play for the first couple episodes until the end of the second episode. And it's really just a... I can punch stuff, which we already have. Jessica Jones is very strong. Um, Blue Cage is very strong. There's nothing really impressive to this character. The fight scenes uh, are much more intriguing when it's the Colleen Wing character, who I would watch a show about her um, with a lot more interest than what I have to this. The whole thing with with Danny is they they set him up to be the fish out of water guy, which is a little bit Captain America because he's been missing 50, 15 years. But they start out with this whole process of like he's going to have to prove his identity to people and he's going to have to fight to get his company back. And then they just kind of like sweep it all under the rug really fast. Like they introduce all this conflict of it. And then it's like, well, now we don't want to deal with that shit. So fuck it. 
and uh hey it's okay now he's in charge of his company and shit uh it the characters that are the kids that he grew up with that kind of work against him at first and and i don't know how far it's going to go with the ward meacham character uh they're all right but the same thing with the the father the Harold Meacham is sort of there and feels important. And then again, just kind of like, oops, never mind about that bullshit. Uh, we're just going to deal with this thing over here. It's just so sudden changes that don't really feel like they're affecting the story enough to have mattered at all. So why did I just spend four hours watching about this character or watching about this storyline? And then it have just go, well, you know, that's kind of boring now. So we're going to do this over here. It just seems to jump around a lot in a way that isn't coherent and not terribly interesting. Um, I've seen very mixed reviews from, from fans as opposed to actual reviewers. Some people like it a lot. Some people think it's terrible. Most I see say it's good. It's just not great and our expectations are really high and it will be a better payoff when we get to the defenders which is coming up and we see all these characters together and and i i think that might be part of the problem where i i fall in that category where it is good and i do enjoy enjoy watching it it's just this is came out at a weird place because and this is where I'm going to tip my hat as to what I'm going to be talking about next week for my else views. And that is into the badlands where season two came out of that show, which is another Kung Fu action or action TV show also happens to star an, an Asian American actor in the lead role, but that is not, I'm not touching the race debate with that at all. Um, It's, it's more with, the antagonists because it, it, you, I, you, to me you, it's, you, it's more that the action on that show and the the fight scenes and everything on that show dwarf what is on this show no, no, to no, no, a no, yeah. huge degree yeah like I, I, into the badlands i i dropped out of watching it in the in the first season because i didn't really love the characters but the the fight scenes are incredible on that yeah. And in this, and they only get, they're not good. Yeah, and, and they only get better on End of the Badlands, which again, I'm saving for next week, but for, for, for season one, they only get better at, as they go on. But with this, it was almost like, it seemed like they shot this chronologically, which would make sense, but because some of the early fight scenes seem a little slow, like it's almost like, this was them training and then as it got further it seemed like okay they're they're picking up the pace it's becoming better but the point i was going to make before is the antagonist in in iron fist the hand are going to be the antagonist for the defenders so it's this sort of setting up for or not really setting up for a a foregone conclusion that i think has some people upset and i don't know because i'm also i think at episode seven or eight um i'm not exactly i think the last one was uh the felling of the tree with the roots um was the name of the episode i 
couldn't tell you that the yeah. title. I just know that for a show that is supposed to be about a martial artist, uh, and and with the opening credits showing all of these amazing martial arts moves in the animation, it is not reflected within the show itself very well at all. Uh, and and it's a show that is frankly, it, a lot of the episodes, not a lot seems to happen. It it moves at yeah. a almost glacial pace. It, I I don't want to say that it's terrible. It it's got some decent acting in it. It's got some good character acting in it. Certainly. Uh, the guy who plays Ward, uh, I really liked when he was on Banshee. Um, as I already mentioned, uh, Jessica Henwick, who plays Colleen Wing, is the the far more interesting character for me. I like Joy. I I like Madame Gao, uh, who we saw from Daredevil, comes in as the antagonist in this, and I like that character, and I like to see where that's going to. But I just. I'm not sold on this series. And at this point in time, at, at seven and a half, eight episodes in, I really feel like it should have grabbed my attention at least somewhat. Like Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, they had my attention early and then we got to some slower parts where it was a little bit of a slog for them, but they they also came around again at the end. This is eight episodes and I haven't found the part that's supposed to make me feel invested in it and that's that's kind of surprising for for this series you know for these shows um i don't know a lot about the creator of the show scott buck and and what else he's done oh dexter uh i i just i don't know if this is the right fit for him or not uh but it it's I can see why the complaints are there. It, it's certainly one of those things that I don't I don't abhor it. I don't feel bad watching it if I want to be a completionist and watch all the Defenders individual seasons um, to get to the the collective series when it happens. It's just that if it wasn't for that, I probably would have tuned out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, again, I I like the show. I. I will say it looks beautiful on that TV behind me there, um, but not the opening cinematic. Um, surprisingly enough, that I can see the little pixels and all that stuff as it's going around, and I'm like, yeah, that looks a little bad. But then I get into the TV or the actual episode because I'm paying for the 4K tier of Netflix now, and I'm like, ooh, pretty. Oh. Yeah, the opening cinematic too also it seems so evocative of the Daredevil opening that it, it didn't really stand out. Like each of these things have had had a real individualism and this yeah. one just doesn't. It it there's nothing no. special about it so far. I would no, I would say it's it's pretty individual because it's with the Daredevil one, it's just the blood dripping down on the different things where this it's Danny doing like some like Tai Chi fighting thing, which is all he does in the show. He just does Tai Chi all the fucking time. It's like, great. That's fantastic. (laughs) Oh, look, he's posing again. The best thing about him doing Tai Chi was when the guy made the farting noise. And it's (laughs) just like, 
it's it's really weird they introduce things like they introduce the character who's the homeless guy that's talking to him and kind of like giving him a little bit of a pep talk in the first episode and then that guy's gone and then they introduce the doctor who's who's the first person to kind of believe that he is who he says he is and then that guy's just gone and it's just like it's so all over the place and it's so not a coherent story there's nothing to make you feel attached to to Iron Fist, like the the defined character of Iron Fist is I am the Iron Fist. I fight the hand. Oh, really? How's that going for you? Well, I've never fucking seen him before, so I guess it's cool that I showed up in the town that they're at. Uh, okay, dude. <laughs> you know, I, I just like I, I just it seems kind of and and they said they said that this is the hardest show for them to get a handle on. I just don't know that they did. And this is that same sort of thing of like, if you're creating a universe of things and you have an expectation that all these shows have to work together and they have to come at a certain time, um, you kind of leave yourself open to this happening is that you get a really great season of Daredevil. You get a really great, smartly developed show like Jessica Jones that has what is by far the best villain in the Marvel universe, period. Um, Like easily... At, at a match for Loki, but in some cases I think superior because it's also a finished story. You get a very, you know, good feel for what a Luke Cage show should be at the very least. Uh, execution maybe fell apart at the end a little bit, but at least it makes sense of like, oh yeah, this is what fucking Luke Cage should be like. And then there's Iron Fist, which has no real depth or personality so far. And that's that's a bummer to me. But I can't say that Iron Fist was ever a character that I looked at with having a lot of depth and personality in the comics. The coolest thing about Danny Rand was that he hung out with Luke Cage. Yeah, You know, it was that they were in Heroes of for Hire together. But I mean, as far as martial artists in the Marvel Universe go, Shang-Chi was kind of way fucking cooler anyways. Um, and he <laughs> would have been the actual Asian character that we were going to see and reflected on the screen. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just like I, I I'm not trying to hate on it. I just I think that it it has some definite challenges. I'm hoping it's going to finish strong, and I certainly hope that it all comes together and 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 make a better cohesive story for Defenders itself. Uh, I'm looking forward to the interaction of these characters with each other, especially Danny and Luke, because I think that that could bring out something in this character that he doesn't have now which is how he plays off of being piled up with that guy. Um, yeah. It's just, but, let's let's see what happens. I also am kind of a little torn because they're pushing a romance between him and Colleen Wing, whereas in the comics, Danny was together and is together with Misty Knight, which I, again, find more intriguing. Uh, not that I don't like Colleen because I think she's awesome. I just... I want to see those two characters together as well. I want to see Kylene and Misty and and the the Daughters of the Dragon thing develop. That is way cool to me as well. Yeah. The other part I will add that I I really enjoy is the fact that the first four or three or four episodes really just it's down close. You're focusing in on Danny um joy and ward meacham um and then colleen and then um uh, papa meacham like that's really it there's not 
all this. So we're going to go over here and go over there. And uh, Harold, yeah, Harold Meacham. Um, we're not going, you know, over here and then over there and all that. And it stays with almost like through the whole thing. And then once it's, we're at a good, a natural part to break, then we go over here. Um, in a way, and and I I really enjoyed that seeing that here, and then how their story sort of like naturally come here, meet together, will will cross, and stuff like that. Yeah, but I don't even just... know about naturally at this point. That that's the other thing for me is that the Claire Temple character. I love Rosaria Dawson. Uh, I'm I'm glad that she's playing the the night nurse character in this universe, but she's starting to feel shoehorned into every story. It's it's yeah. not feeling organic anymore. It's just feeling like, oh, well, now we have to introduce Claire into this storyline too um, and, and see how that makes it work. But she did have the best line of the series so far, which is, you're supposed to fight the hand and I know more about these motherfuckers than you do. Um, <laughs> seriously, that is that is the greatest moment because it's it's true. It's like this guy, He all he talks about is his destiny of fighting these things and it's but you don't fucking do that you you've never done that so what the shit dude um yeah i i don't know five more episodes yeah more okay episodes yeah. we'll see how it goes yeah that's that's where i'm at too because the episode last i think i was in the middle of was uh the blessing of many fractures which is the other thing I, that's one thing i really love love about this about the shows and about a lot of the shows on uh, with the netflix marvel stuff is the naming of the episodes like the with these it seems like it, it seems like very almost like tai chi moves or something like that or like a nice haiku is being said here when you look through the names of the episodes and if that is racist i am deep i deeply apologize now we'll get that out of the way and yeah check it's it obviously out obviously that's what they're going for it's just yeah. If, if that's if, if it just feels like window dressing at that point as opposed yeah. to something that actually is literally doing itself a favor to the story yeah um but yeah that is going to do it here for the else views we will be right back i'm carrie sims you may know me from the popular weekly internet game show podcast, Trivia Geeks, streaming live every Tuesday night at 9.15 Eastern, 8.15 Central. Like any podcast, Trivia Geeks started out as nothing more than an idea and a dream. Here at Blazing Caribou Studios, we believe in cultivating those dreams and ideas to bring fresh content to the masses. Click on over to BlazingCaribouStudios.com and click on the link Pitch Podcast Ideas. Your dream could be just one click away. Don't care. And we are back, and it is time for the else words. This is our discussion point, and this time we have a twofer news story. The first bit is that the Big Bang Theory has been renewed for two more seasons. Um, and the second bit is that the Young Sheldon prequel has been uh, greenlit straight to series um, by CBS. So, Corey, what are your thoughts on this? Because I believe with um, after these two seasons, they'd be at season 12. It, it takes um, us up to season 12. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to mention about this is, so 
the the main stars of the series, uh, which would be Sheldon, Leonard, and Penny, uh, they were getting paid a million dollars an episode, which is something that I, we've seen when Friends was really popular. All the stars started getting paid a million an episode. Uh, Seinfeld, all the actors on that started getting paid a million an episode. So it's not unusual it, for the the most popular comedy shows on TV to have their stars be in that million dollar range. Uh, when you look at the the cost per episode, I think is about ten million per yeah. episode of the show, uh, and the amount of money that's going towards the cast at that point takes up the the lion's share of it. It, it doesn't take a lot to produce the show, as far as like uh, big sets or anything. But the um, those three actors and then the ones who play Raj and Howard have all agreed to take a pay cut of uh, 10%, essentially. So going from a million an episode to 900,000 an episode and have some of the residuals, their points cut to apply towards uh, the actresses who play Amy and Bernadette to give them a bump up in pay because they're not at that scale. Uh, they either haven't been in the show long enough or they're not considered by the, the producers of the show to be of the same values as other actors and actresses, um, which it's very impressive to me. And it's, it's encouraging to me to see actors like that uh, cast members who, who stick up for their fellow castmates who, who say, but they're a part of this too. You know, they're they're stars of the show too. They're they're a part of our family. We take care of them as well. Uh they're still in negotiations though. Um but it seems likely that they'll sign back on, especially because they're they're integral to the plots now. The the plot of Sheldon is now very ingrained into having Amy Farrah Fowler as part of his life. <clears throat> the plot with Howard very much includes the Bernadette character. They have a child together. They live together. Uh, they're married. So I think that it was a a very sweet gesture. It, people still say, yeah, but they're making 900000 an episode. Uh, it, how much is it really going to hurt them to lose that? That's not exactly the point. Uh, I think it's just, it's a cool move. Yeah, and the other part, and um, beat real quick, where's... The text that's in the article here, what is that from? Is that from the Hollywood Reporter article on um, Young Sheldon or the other one? Um, because there's some stuff in here I want to point out that I think we're sort of possibly getting a new problem with. And it's not with, you know, Big Bang Theory being renewed. It's in um, the spinoffs because <clears throat> there's a paragraph here that um is interesting this is young sheldon is one of many of multiple spinoffs underway this season abc is also prepping a 90s set spinoff of the goldbergs as well as a college focused offshoot of blackish starring yara shahidi and in an um so i mean we see you know cbs has already practiced some of this the um you know, we also have, you know, CBS doing the Good Wife spinoff on CBS All Access with The Good Fight. Um, and we have already got, you know, the Blacklist Redemption and then the Dick Wolf Chicago verse that we've got going on over at NBC as well. 
So do you think we're getting at a little bit um, spinoff heavy when it comes to a lot of these shows? Uh, well, I mean, it, here's where Corey shits on people who can't come up with fucking new ideas. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I believe that that's something that's gone on for easily several generations, but certainly uh cbs has done it to death with their csi series getting spun off and spun off and spun off and spun off and it didn't matter if a series like came out and then didn't make it it's like well let's do another spin-off law and order uh, is being pointed out by evan is is another one that has had a lot of spin-offs to varying degrees of success and failure uh they've tried twice now to spin off uh criminal minds it's had a season uh, that had uh, Forrest Whitaker it, that didn't land and got canceled. And then they tried to do another series spinoff with, uh, I think, Gary Sinise. Um, which they himself, Oscars, yeah. Yeah, which he himself had done a spinoff of CSI at one point. It, and then I think that one either failed or, or isn't coming back. It It seems like they keep trying to milk a cow that only has so much milk to give, but we're just going to keep spreading it out. And so we'll make it all 2% as opposed to whole. Uh, so you don't get the fatty goodness. You you just get the the little bit of, oh, there's a little something. Oh, that'll that'll taste okay in cereal. Uh, that's, that's essentially what they're doing is they're just bleeding dry the love of one property to make multiple properties that won't have the same returns. And that's that's pretty dumb to me. Uh, on the other hand, the the Young Sheldon series, as much as I am not interested in seeing a series about Young Sheldon, uh, because like a prequel to The Walking Dead, it's like I already know where this fucking goes. I will say it gives Laurie Metcalf another chance at a sitcom, and I adore Laurie Metcalf. So in that regard, I might enjoy it. It's just it's really tough to to say. I mean, isn't fresh off the boat already based in the 90s yeah fresh off the boat is based on the 90s but fresh off the boat and the um, and the goldbergs are hitting this other trend that happened um you know two years ago and that was shows based on other people's lives um, right you know who, who were involved in creating so you know uh the goldbergs is you know adam f or adam f goldberg um, you know, based off of his life and um, as a child. But as I understand it, the Goldberg spinoff is about the teachers from his school. It's about the it's, coach. Yeah, it's, about, it's about it's about the coach, the um, um the counselor. It, I don't know. I, I knew uh, the pilot. The, the, they were talking about it being with the coach, but they might have it brought in the counselor, who's Tim Meadows, right? Who's already on Son of Zorn. Um, yeah. I, I just like that's the spinoff direction and then you have to do it a decade later as well i don't really get the premise of that as to why that show who conceptualized like we're gonna do a spinoff of the goldbergs and we're gonna make it about the the gym coach and the the school counselor uh and and we'll set it a few years later too so it has nothing to do with any of these fucking characters now i i just who who conceptualized this and why yeah um, the, the blackish spinoff, uh, about the eldest daughter going to college. Like I remember a different world. 
Uh, I remember that it existed as one season about being about Denise Huxtable, and then uh, they had to reinvent that show a couple of times over. To I remember the Marissa Tomei years. Um, I I get why they think that her going to college could make for an interesting show, and and the actress is great. She's great on the program. But the reason the program is good is because of the ensemble cast. I, I don't know that anybody's aching to see it spun off with with her character. I, I would just assume her character still be a part of the show and do one of those stupid things where they're going to college in the same fucking town. So they still get to live at home and, and get to involve the college stories uh, as someone who's developing these attitudes and stuff in college, which you already kind of see reflected in the characters in the show. Anyways, the kids are all kind of know-it-alls. They all think they're smarter than their parents and often do. So why not just reflect that in the program that already exists? It's just, yeah. it's trying to to get a bigger bank. It's trying to say, well, I produced a show and I want to have a, another show that I'm also going to get residuals on, um, which is fine, but it's just, it's such an easy, simplistic way to to spread things out as opposed to trying to come up with a new concept and and new actors and everything else and it it just it bugs the shit out of me it it bugs me to no end because it's all fucking Joni loves chachi at this point and uh i i don't know if you recall but Joni loves chachi shit show aftermath shit show uh three's a crowd i love me some jack tripper shit show uh fucking three's company had had ended we didn't need the continuation of that too many times it's just like we can't improve this, but we're just going to try to take what's already there and already sort of works and, and see if we can make it happen again. See if lightning strikes twice. It's not, it's not any good. Um, it's, it's, it's too many times to the same. Well, and it just, I'm kind of disgusted by it, but that's why fucking mainstream TV is falling the fuck apart. Yeah. You know, it's 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 it. We're at a point where people are already just sort of halfway disenchanted with the the broadcast channels and what's on there. And <clears throat> as much as Big Bang Theory is a success, people love to hate it. People love to despise that show. Uh, so I don't know that you're going to get a lot of people who aren't already watching the Big Bang Theory to watch the spinoff show of it. And I think that a lot of people who watch the Big Bang Theory are not going to enjoy a show about a young Sheldon. I think they're going to feel like they already got their fill of it. it it's the same thing as the How I Met Your Father spinoff that was supposed to happen and failed, and they're trying it again. I just I don't think that anybody is really jumping up and down to say, yeah, that that's what I've been missing, is more of this thing that I already see too many fucking times in syndication every seven to eight o'clock. You know, it's God damn it. TBS has played the shit out of the big bang theory. I, I don't, I don't think I can handle any more of it. Yeah. I don't know. Time will tell on a lot of these things um, where it is, you know, I am happy to see uh, the big bang theory get renewed because I, I do like the big bang theory. Um, you know, it's good Saturday or Thursday night or Friday morning um, watching for me. And but, you know, who knows? And, and 
keep in mind, this is me being a hypocrite because I love the fucking Marvel movies and the Marvel movies are just like one after a fucking another at this point. And we were just talking about Iron Fist and how that is relation to the other Marvel shows and stuff. But that that's kind of like the Marvel shows on on Netflix, at least are short seasons and they don't happen at the same time. You know, we yeah. go through, we get a season of one and then we have a couple months and then we get a season of one and we have a couple months to get the next season of the first one and so on. It's a different animal than what this is. This is like, it's for mainstream TV. This is supposed to be 24 episodes a season uh, is the expectation. Yeah. And it's, is there going to be a young Sheldon show that's like, here's here you watch young Sheldon and it leads right into the Big Bang Theory or vice versa to try to get the numbers to get the people to watch it. It's I, I just don't know that that's anything that is going to work to to their benefit. It it was a little different in the 80s when it was like, oh, we have the Golden Girls and then we have Empty Nest. Well, Empty Nest was a completely different fucking show. It's just that they existed in the same universe. So it, it kind of had a an air of connectedness to it uh, or TGI Fridays when it was like, oh, and here's Steve Urkel and he puts on his jack back and all of a sudden he's hanging out with the step by step kids. OK. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that conceptually, but they still are their own fucking thing. It's it's not like uh, Urkel is hanging out at Family Matters and then goes next door and it's Urkel's family and shit. That would be something else entirely because we were already fucking Urkeled out. It, 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 any more Urkel would have just put us over the fucking edge. But uh, we, we got the we got enough Jaleel to 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 sustain us for several seasons and it was that's that's how you you fucking do it i i man i don't know i don't know kids for that reference ask your parents and they will be upset they will be upset yeah. that someone talks smack about jaleel white all right well that is i think gonna do it for us here tonight unless there's anything else you want to add Derek. all right uh um, no uh all right fucking cis Fair enough. Just on principle. Just on principle. Fucking see. <laughs> um, but yeah. So you could send us mail. Send us your hate mail. Send us your voicemail. Um, send us your love mail. Um, at mail at elsners.com or you can leave us a voicemail if you want to do it over the phones at 805-328-3966. You could find all of our subscription links, um, our subscription options and links uh, over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. You can join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash galactic netcasts. Follow the show and the network at Else Nerds and at Galactic Netcast. Um, you can follow the producers. Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I'm at that Gregor or that dot Gregor on Instagram. And Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find the comics that I help publish at donutscomics.com. Strangely enough, a lot of them are shared universe shit. Uh, <laughs> Balyar spun off from Levi's World and then later on uh, Strobe spun off from Balyar so uh, yeah that's just me being a dick what yeah. are you going to do and it's a good thing we didn't pick a new story that you talked about yesterday on Podcast of Terror because then you know shared universe shit uh, yeah speaking oh. of the Podcast of Terror uh, something to look forward to this coming Sunday now this week uh, we had Nicole Davis from Geek Cinema Society was on to uh, finally get to do the movie that she recommended a while ago, Thirst. But this coming Sunday, we will be recording our live episode for next week's release. And that 
episode, our guest will be Glenn Rubenstein. What? Wait, yeah, why is it. he going on pot and not here? I, I don't know, man. Uh, I just, I think it precludes us from telling him uh, because we don't want him to know what's going on. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry, I forgot to mention. This has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. And, uh, or else. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.